Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much, Pastor Scott, to our worship team and our production team, everyone who helps to make this possible every single day. And thank you all for being a part, joining us this morning via the live stream in whatever venue you're using to be a part of that. Not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in his place. One of my favorite all-time lines of any song of worship to the Lord because simply because I've lived that. I've lived when everybody else seemingly walked out on me, but he didn't. And I live that every single day and how grateful we are that even in these challenging times we live in, we can hold on to that with everything that we have because that is never going to change, not for a minute, will the Lord forsake us. He will be with us every step of the way, and he will take care of us every step of the way. So live in peace that we talked about last week and live in that joy, knowing that deep down in your heart of hearts. And, and good morning. Thank you again for being with us. And we are in week two of what we have uh, termed pandemic mandated, no big group gatherings, live stream, every preacher is a televangelist now all of a sudden. Uh, and we're also in week three of our current study entitled Stuck. And have you ever noticed it's easy to get stuck in life, stuck in, in the mud, uh, stuck in a rut, stuck in a bad family gathering, getting out a lot of fun? You know, you go to one of these events that the family puts on, a reunion or whatever, and all of a sudden it takes a turn for the worse after about the first five minutes, and you feel like you're trapped. You're like, I just want to get out of here. You know, it's easy to get stuck. It's easy to get stuck in doubt and fear like we talked about last week, and, and don't let that happen. Easy to get stuck in hysteria and all the craziness and the madness and, and all kinds of stuff in this life that it's easy to get stuck in that aren't what we're supposed to be a part of. Well, today, what we're going to be talking about for the next few minutes, and don't miss this, we're talking about getting stuck on ourselves. I entitled this uh, a couple of weeks ago, Stuck on Me. And it's easy to get in that place in our lives. And let me start by asking you a question right off the top here. Are, are you a, a we or a me person. And, and a great test is happening in our world right this very minute now with the pandemic situation. Because as you've uh, probably already heard, noticed, and seen for yourself, some people are rushing out every chance they get and stocking up on toilet paper, right? You've noticed that. The shelves are barren and empty. And, and, and at the same time, there are a lot of people, and this, this is what just thrills my heart. There are a lot of people that are putting it out there if you need help, let us know. If you're a senior citizen and you can't get your, your medicines from the drugstore, if you need some groceries, if you need a ride to the doctor, whatever we can do, if you need help, then let us know. Man, I love that. I love the, the heart of helping and giving and, and all that good stuff that's happening right now at the same time because we, we know it. On one hand, there are people that are hoarding and stocking up for themselves. And on the other hand, there are people who are giving and serving and looking for ways to help their neighbors out. So let me ask you that again. Are you a we or a me person? Because today we're going to take a close look at the life of a man named Peter, the disciple of Jesus that's pretty well known, and how he moved from self-centeredness to being a spirit-filled, selfless disciple. Of all the people in the Bible, and I, I, I love this, Peter is one of the ones who gives us the most comfort and encouragement. And the reason why is simply this, because he was so full of failures, 
but also so effective. And so his life is one that we can both identify with and learn from today. His life is an incredible example of the stark contrast between selfishness and selflessness. It's a life that shows that one time he lived for me, but there was a drastic change and he began to live for we. And how God can truly change us and get us unstuck from selfish living. And man, do we need that today more than ever. So first of all, and I don't have an outline to direct you to, which is kind of weird for me, and I just got to be honest with you, man, last night it hit me like a ton of bricks. Uh, jonesing to be with my church family. I mean, it, it just has eaten me up these last several days because I miss you guys. As a pastor for over 30 years, I miss you incredibly uh, to the point that I wish I could just come through the camera into your living room and hang out with you and see you in person and Actually, I don't have any lunch plans, so if you've got something to, to, to feed me with, I'll be there today about, you know, 11.30 or noon if that's okay. But seriously, I miss you all terribly, and I can't wait till we're back together. But we're going to learn some lessons today, and we're going to talk about how God can change us from being selfish to selfless. And, and we're doing that, first of all, by, by looking at the area of self can seem selfless. Peter seemed like a devoted disciple of Christ in the first first you know, steps of following him. He seemed like he had it all together, seemingly a man of absolute surrender right from the beginning. Matthew chapter 19, verse 27, we read these words of Peter who said himself, Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. Now, that's pretty radical. That's pretty radical when you leave your, your fishing boat, your nets, and all the tools of your trade, everything, your, your old life behind, and follow after someone is, is a pretty radical statement. And that's exactly what Jesus, uh, Peter reminded Jesus of. We've left everything to follow you. That, that seems like a sellout of, of all the old way of living and beginning a new way of life. It also appeared that Peter was a man of ready obedience. We read in Luke chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, about an encounter between Jesus and Peter. And Jesus comes to Peter, and he says to him, Put your boat out in the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus was commanding Peter to go fishing. And Jesus was a carpenter, and, and, and Peter was a master fisherman. So Peter's got to be thinking to himself, he doesn't know as much about fishing as I do. He knew when there were no fish around, and, and as a professional fisherman, he had tried fishing all night, and he caught nothing. However, when Jesus directed him in this way, Peter answered and said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. And I love this statement. He goes on and says, but because you say so, I will go and let down the nets. Even though he knew things about fishing, he was willing to obey Jesus when he was commanded to. So Peter came off as a man of, of obedience in this light. Next, I want to point out to you, he came off as a man of, of great faith. In, in, in Matthew's gospel, chapter 14, we see a story of how the disciples were traveling across the lake in a storm, and, and Jesus suddenly came to them, and he was walking on the water. We referenced this last week. And when Peter sees him, he said in verse 28 these words, Lord, and, and this, is, this is awesome. He says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to where you are on the water. And at the voice of Christ, when Jesus said, it's me, come on, Peter, he steps out of the boat, and literally, he walks on the water to Jesus. How many of us have done that? Now, I know I haven't. I've attempted it. 
and I went under. But, but Peter walks on water. So he seems to be a man of great faith in his life at this point. Another thing I want to share with you is he also seemed to be a man of a pretty deep spiritual insight. One day, Jesus asked the disciples what people were saying about him. He's kind of taking a, a straw poll. Okay, okay, gather around, guys. I, I just want to find out what's the word on the street about me. What, what are people saying? What, what's, the, what's the conclusion that they have up to this point about who I am? And so they began to answer, and, and it was Peter who replied in verse 16 of Matthew 16, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when he made this statement, Jesus affirmed this and recognized that it was not Peter's own insight, but God the Father in heaven who had revealed it to him. In other words, Peter was in tune enough with God to be able to discern and communicate a word from God. So he seemed to be a man of some deep spiritual insight. Jesus later goes on and identifies Peter as a rock and also as the one who would have the keys of the kingdom. He was devoted in his discipleship to Jesus, or so it seemed. And if he were living right now, going by all of this evidence that we just kind of quickly walked through, we would come to the conclusion that, man, Peter had it together. He was a man who really was committed to God. He sold all he had, went and followed him. He got rid of everything and said, I'm yours. He was a man of, of spiritual insight, a man of seemingly great faith. He had obedience when Jesus asked him to do something. He did it. So, What's the deal? Well, the next thing I wanted to, to mention to you is this, and if you're taking notes, write this down as well as everything else the Lord presses on your heart. Be sure that self always shows itself. It'll always show its hand. Self is going to come through one way or another. I remember years and years and years ago when I was in high school, and that's been a long time ago, I was working a job at a tuxedo store where, where we rented tuxedos for weddings, proms, special occasions. And, and uh, one evening, it was really slow. Uh, a guy comes in, an older man, and, and he, uh, he didn't look happy to be there. And I, I kind of understand how that is. I don't like wearing those things either. But sometimes you got to, right? When, when your wife tells you to, yes, you're going to wear it, you know, that, that kind of thing. So he comes into the store, and, and he's already kind of huffing and puffing and gruffing and, and not really happy about life, it seemed like. And so we, we began to dialogue. I greet him with a smile and a friendly greeting and welcome to the store. How, how may I help you this evening? And even before Chick-fil-A, I, I had good customer service skills, you know, like you're supposed to. And he comes up to the counter. He said, yeah, I'm supposed to get measured for one of these things or something. I don't know. I You know, I, I just... Something, I'm in such and such wedding party and they want me to wear one, so I've got to get, you know, I've got to get fitted for it. And I'm like, yes, yes, sir. Okay, great. No problem. I said, uh, if you'll give me the uh, wedding date, the party name, and, and your name, and we'll, we'll get right on that, get you taken care of, get you out of here as quickly as possible, because I kind of see that you really don't want to be here. And so what we were trained to do was get their driver's license. And, and the reason why was to get the information off of it so you didn't have to, what's your address, you know, what's your date of birth, what's your just all was there at that day and time, and so it was easier to do that. So I asked him for his driver's license, to which he replied, why? Do you need a license to wear a tux? I was like, no, sir, it's just easier to get your information off. And then he proceeded, huh, mumbling under his breath, pulled out his wallet, got his driver's license, and threw it across the table at me. Now, I didn't catch it because I had no idea he was going to do that. And so I was sort of stunned, and then I was really stunned when I picked up his license and read his name and knew him to be a pastor 
of a local church in the denomination that I was uh, a part of as a church member in our small town. And boy, what hit me at that point was what I'm talking about right now. Self will always show its hand. Self will always find a way to bleed through. When we're about self, when we're selfish, when we're self-centered, when we're living that kind of lifestyle, we can put on a good front. We can fool a lot of the people a lot of the time, but be assured that at some point in time or another, self is going to show its hand, and we're going to unfortunately see this in Peter's life because his struggle with self begins to show itself in quite a number of ways. And I want to look at a few of those here in the next few moments. And starting with this one, that, that Peter trusted his own wisdom. Now, now, when Peter had this amazing insight into who Jesus was, Jesus affirmed it and indicated that it was a spiritual insight that, that had revealed it to him. And after that, Jesus began to speak of what was to come in Jerusalem. He indicated to the disciples that he would suffer and die. And when Peter heard that, in Matthew 16, 20, 22, he dared to say to Jesus these words, never, Lord, never, he said, this shall never happen to you. Now, at this point, Peter was no longer speaking with spiritual insight. He began to rely and speak out of his own wisdom. How many times have we done that? I know I've done it way too many times, and it never works out well. You see, the words of Peter at this point were not inspired by God, not inspired by the Holy Spirit, but they were inspired by the devil because, because, hear this, Jesus said to him in verse 23, get thee behind me, what? Satan. Jesus knew where that was coming from. He knew that Satan was trying to stop him from going to Calvary's cross and giving his life for our salvation, for the great sacrifice of our lives. He knew that. And he knew that Peter had opened up somehow and allowed self to come through inspired by the demonic and spoke what was contrary to God's will, God's purpose, and God's plan. I'm going to tell you something. It never works out to lean to our own understanding and our own wisdom. And that's why Jesus said, get thee behind me. Say, it's amazing. In just a matter of moments, just a matter of minutes, there Peter was being commended for being a spiritually insightful person. And then just moments later, Jesus is looking at him and saying, get thee behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Now this was Peter in his self-will, trusting in his own wisdom about divine things and actually forbidding Christ to go and die. Not good. Next, I want you to know that Peter sought position in his life. And man, I've seen this a thousand times if I've seen it once. People who have the wrong motives, the wrong heart, and the wrong agenda. What, what really is going on deep beneath the surface of what you can see easily on the outward is that they are vying for a position. They want some power. They want some authority. And man, I've seen it too many times in the church, which is really heartbreaking. When the disciples were looking for positions of honor, and they asked Jesus who, were gonna, who was going to sit at his right side. Peter was among them putting his name in the hat to have that position. He was just like the others who were seeking a place of honor. Once again, self-seeking was in his heart. I'm going to tell you, it will always find a way to show itself. This was classic right here. 
He was saying, Jesus, I am worthy. I deserve. I should be. Place me here at your right side. I want to be the one in that nice position of authority and power right there side by side with you. We're going to unpack that a little more in a moment. Peter was filled with self. The life of self was strong in him. He had left his boats and his nets, but not his old self. Write that down. It's easy to leave some stuff, but it's tough to leave self. It's a bigger challenge to leave your selfish motives, ambitions, desires, wants, all that stuff. Because after Jesus has spoken to him about his sufferings, he said in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, now I love this. I know I've said that a bunch of times already. It's because I love all of it. It it speaks to us. It changes us. It transforms us. It helps us. It rescues us. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must do what to himself? That's it. We've got a faithful few in this room, and they're helping me out this morning. I hope you're helping me there at home, on your couch, on your chair. I hope you're up in your living room going, yeah, man, preach it. It says he must deny himself. In other words, self has to be crucified. It has to be done away with. It has to be put on the cross and say, no more will you rule and reign in my life. And that's exactly what Jesus tells not only Peter, but all of us. You must deny yourself, take up your cross, and do what? Follow me. And I'm going to tell you, nobody can follow him unless he does that. Deny self, pick up that cross, and follow Jesus told Peter that, that he must deny himself, and that's the root of true discipleship. But Peter didn't understand it. He didn't catch it, and he could not obey it. And so what happened? When the last night came, Jesus says to him in Mark chapter 14, verse 30, I tell you the truth. Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself are going to disown me how many times? three times. So with self-confidence, Peter once again musters up his boldness and says, Lord, even if all fall away, I will not. I mean, can you just kind of picture that? Making that grand gesture in that manner. Even if all fall away, I will not. Luke twenty-two thirty-three. 33. It's recorded that he even said, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Oh, man, it's getting, it's getting thick, right? I mean, we would love to say that, yeah, we'll say that as well. And truth be told, there may be a time even in our nation, if the Lord continues to tarry long enough, that we might have to not only make a statement like that, but show if it's going to be true or not in our own lives. Well, Peter got that test very quickly. The thing is, I believe with all my heart that Peter meant it honestly, and he really intended to do that, but he didn't know himself. He did not believe he was as bad as Jesus said he was. So when the time of pressure comes, self-preservation, self-will, fear uh, for self came to him, and three times he denied that he even knew Jesus. In fact, Matthew 26, 74 tells us he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I do not know the man. In other words, he said, I have nothing to do with him. He and I are not friends. I don't know him. I deny having any connection with him whatsoever. That's not just denying. That's, that's big time denial. 
I mean, I think if he could have went on the radio stations and the TV stations back then and, 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 and hired out billboards and everything else and posted it on Facebook, he would have put it everywhere he could. I am not with this guy. You're going to kill him. Don't kill me. It's amazing how when the fire turns up, it shows what's really there. Andrew Murray says, we perhaps think of individual sins that come between us and God, but what are we to do with that self-life, which is all unclean, our very nature? What are we to do with that flesh that is entirely under the power of sin? Deliverance from that is what we need desperately. Peter knew it not, and therefore it was in self-confidence that he denied his Lord. Man, that's a punch in the gut. Jesus uses the word deny twice. Don't, don't lose me here. We're heading towards the finish. In Matthew 16, 24, he says to Peter and the other disciples that a person must what? Deny himself. Then on the night that he was to be betrayed, he says to Peter, you're going to deny me three times. It is either of the two. There is no other choice for us. We must either deny self don't, don't miss this. We must either deny self or somewhere along the line, we will deny Christ. And, and Jesus said on one occasion, if you deny me before men, I will do what before the Father? I will deny knowing you before the Father. It's, it's either you know me or you don't. And when the heat's turned up, as I said a moment ago, the truth is going to come out. And unfortunately for Peter, his is written down for all of us to see, which is a good thing. And a tough thing at the same time because Peter, I'm sure, just is, is just blown away that he in his life was at that point after saying, I will not leave you. And yet that's exactly what he does. But before pointing a finger at him, how many times have we done that in our own lives? There are two great powers fighting each other, the self-nature and the power of sin and Christ in the power of God. Either of these must rule within us because it can't and will not ever be both. No man can serve two masters, just one. When you think about it, it was self that made the devil. He was an angel of God, but he wanted to exalt what? Self. He wanted the power. He wanted the glory. He wanted the, the esteem. He wanted the worship. Self was the cause of the fall of men. Eve wanted something for herself, and so our first parents fell into all of the wretchedness of sin. We, their children, have inherited an awful nature of sin. I can't tell you how many people have said, even just the past week I've heard on different stories on the news or on the radio or interviews or whatever, or, or, or given the advice or, 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 or spoken out the words, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart, it'll lead you to happiness. It will not. Because the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. And what it needs is to be transformed and renewed by the power of God in full submission to his lordship in our lives. Lastly today, self is only overcome by that full surrender to the Holy Spirit. I want to finish up by looking at Peter's repentance and his comeback. The self-life was strong in Peter. When the, when the big moment came, he denied his Lord three times. And then we read in Luke chapter 22, verse 61, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Woo, man. Looked straight at him. Then Peter remembered the words that the Lord had spoken to him. 
that look of Jesus and the reminder of the words of Jesus is, that that day broke Peter's heart. The terrible sin that he had committed, the terrible failure that had come and, and the depth in which he had fallen suddenly opened up before him. And then it says, Peter went out and wept bitterly. Brokenness. Conviction of the Holy Spirit that leads to what? Repentance. This gripped Peter's life. Changed him. What a beautiful story here. What a tough story. But what a beautiful, beautiful story here that we see. Man, it's just, it's just what we've got to have in our own lives. It's what we need desperately for the Holy Spirit to come and change us. I'm going to tell you, Peter, Peter needed that in his life. And when Jesus looked at him and when he spoke to him, all of that came crashing down on him. And man, he was never, ever the same. I'm going to tell you, if you're in that place today, here's what I want you to know. The Lord brings his salvation because the Bible goes on and tells us that Jesus met with Peter and he loved him and even asked him three times, do you love me? And Peter responded, yes, Lord, you know I do. Yes, you know I do. And forgiveness and restoration began at that moment. And here's, here's the rest of that. Jesus tells his disciples to go to the upper room there in Jerusalem and wait on the coming of what? The Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, God came down and filled every one of those disciples. And on that day, the Holy Spirit changed their lives. And it wasn't only a change in Peter, which gave him boldness and power and insight into the, the word of God and the blessing with which he preached that day when thousands were saved. That was great, but there was something deeper and better which happened to Peter. His whole nature was changed, and that's, that's the heart of what we're talking about today. If you've been stuck on self, and, and even though it doesn't maybe look like it at times because you may be going and doing and giving and, and serving and, and being obedient and helping, but, but somewhere deep inside, the motives and the nature and the heart just is not quite where it needs to be. just like with Peter, then what God wants to do is what he did with him. He wants to do a heart transplant. He wants to change our nature. He wants to change us to the point that we don't get up on a stage or we don't serve in a Sunday school class or we don't take up an offering plate. We don't do anything in children's mouth. We don't do any of that with the motive of, hey, look at me. Aren't I doing something great? We don't round up supplies and take to, to those in need to say, hey, look at us. Aren't we amazing? Give me the glory. Give me the credit. No, that we do all that with a heart that says, hey, look, isn't God amazing that he changed me, that I'm a person that loves him and serves him, not that I get the glory, but that he alone is glorified, not that I'm seeking a position by his right side or even his left side. No, I don't want that. I want to walk in humility. I want to be humble. I want to love him with a pure heart, and I want my nature to be the nature that's in Christ Jesus, and that's it. That's all I desire. That's all I pray for. Folks, hope in Christ can change us. The Holy Spirit of God can transform us. We've got to surrender to that fully. 
the account of Peter's life is that he went out and was a part of that group that changed the world for Jesus Christ. You read through his letters, you find things like this in 1 Peter 4, 14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Folks, that's not the old Peter, but that is the very nature of Christ breathing and speaking with him within him. You read things like out of 1 Peter 2, 21, where he also says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Now we see that instead of denying Christ, he found joy and pleasure in having self-denied, crucified, and given up to death. Now instead of shrinking in fear when confronted with his identification with Christ, he was able to say boldly as he did in Acts chapter 5, 29, we must obey God rather than man. And I'm telling you, we may be in a place like that right now in our lives. Upon us very quickly, we might be in a place where this world just continues to go down the crazy path that we see spelled out in, in, in the Word of God in the last days to where we have to make that decision. Are we going to obey God or are we going to obey man? Earlier, he had been ready with all the other disciples to take a position of that honor and exalt himself. As I mentioned a couple of times already, but in 1 Peter, Peter chapter 3, verse 4, we read the words of the, the new Peter. And instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. And the words out of 1 Peter 5, 5, God opposes the proud but give grace to what? Gives grace to the humble. History tells us that Peter eventually was crucified and put to death for, for his faith. And he went boldly to that cross. And the only ask that he had, history tells us, was that he would be crucified upside down because he wasn't worthy to be put to death in the same manner as his Lord. From running scared and denial to fully embracing Jesus Christ and willing to give up his life. So I ask you this morning, if you would, just wherever you're at, unless you're driving, close your eyes for just a moment. As we finish this time together, I ask you one question again. Are you stuck on self? Are you a me or a we person my prayer is that we have learned some great things from the story of, of Peter's life but even more importantly my prayer is that we are allowing the Holy Spirit of God to truly change us and transform us right now for some of you you, you may not have that relationship with Jesus Christ that surrender to him and that salvation that he offers. I want to pray for that. For many of you, I, I firmly believe that you struggle with self and, and self-centeredness. Whether it's blatant or whether it's subtle, I, I don't know. But, but I do know this, that God is, is speaking to your heart right now on that. And he's reminding you of what it really is. 
So I want to pray that our team's going to come and we're going to sign off for another Sunday morning. But Lord Jesus, we heard testimonies this past week that just early indications that were over 15,000 people came to Christ through some type of live stream presentation of church services that, that preached the gospel, the good news of your great salvation. And Lord, we believe that's a, a low number because it's, it's really tough to calculate all of those decisions. But right now, God, I pray that there will be even more this week. And there will be more right now that, that are hearing this and a part of our time here at Connections Church. And, and I pray right now that those who need your salvation, who need you desperately to come and cleanse them from their sins and change them and, and transform them, God, that you right now, upon their invitation, upon their prayer, will do just that. If you would, just confess to him right now in your own prayer time right now, speaking it out to him, Lord, I am a sinner and I need your salvation. Come and save me and forgive me and change me, God. I confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. The greatest decision that any of us will ever make is to confess Christ as Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that right now you're pushing back the darkness. You're changing lives. You're, you're pulling the scales off of our eyes where we've been blind. In the first week of this study, we talked about people being stuck in their doubt and their questions, those big questions. God, you're removing those things right now. And you're telling us and reminding us and charging us with this. Trust me with everything you are and everything you will be moving forward. And I got you in the palm of my hand. Father, right now, we trust you. I thank you for those decisions being made. And if you're making that decision, let us know right now. You can comment. You can let us know on the live stream. You can call us this week. You can text us, email. There's a thousand different ways to contact us, it seems like, these days. You can send it by carrier pigeon. That's one of the old, old ways. We just want to know, and we want to know how we can help you and pray with you. And right now, God, I pray for those who have struggled with self, who really identify with Peter and, and the struggle that he had and saying, you know, God, I've, I've, I've left all. I, I've, I've dropped everything to follow you, but, but I'm still struggling. Lord, I, I, I'm obedient to your word at times, and I, I dropped those nets when you asked me to. God, I, 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 I'm identifying you as Christ the Lord, the Son of the living God, but yet at the same time, I, I'm also saying, God, you'll not go. Lord, I, I can identify with that back and forth struggle. So right now, I pray and I invite the Holy Spirit of God to come in and fill me up with you so that all of me will be done away with. Thank you for that today, God. We honor you. We bless you. And, and folks, just be encouraged that God is doing that now in your life and in mine. How desperately we need it. We're here for you. We love you. And now the team that's helped this morning are coming to join me, and, and Mr. Corey is going to take us home from here. So thank you guys so much. God bless you. Wow. What an incredible message from Pastor Robert. Thank you so much again for that. And thank, thank you. you so much for joining us today in your home, wherever you're at with your family, for worshiping with us, from hearing from, uh, from, from God this morning. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, service was great. 
Uh, we cracked well over 100 people watching, and that's just individual viewers. And so, I mean, that's all, not counting all of the kids and family members. And if you invited people over, so maybe next week, invite some friends over and have a watch party, but keep it under 10 and wash your hands. Uh, we're going to put we'll be out counting. a schedule, a TV schedule for you um, for all things live coming up on Connections this week. Be on the lookout for that to come out sometime this afternoon. It will be all of our events for this week for you to join us online for. So thank you all this morning for putting church together for everybody. Be in the Big C Church. Thank you all, and we will see you all tomorrow. Well, in a couple hours. If and you're gonna... in a couple hours. Kids Church at 3 o'clock right here, 3 same place, 3 o'clock. We will see you guys later. We love you guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.